and welcome to our latest Regulation Tomorrow Plus podcast. My name is Anita Edwards and I'm a Senior Knowledge Lawyer in the Financial Services team here at Automobiles Worldwide in London. Today I'm joined by Jonathan Hertz, a partner and global head of our Financial Services group, Hannah Meakin, also a partner in the group, and Senior Associate Georgia Karamani. And we're going to talk about the FCA's recent consultation paper, CP2327, on reforming the Commodity Derivatives Regulatory Framework, which was published on the 4th of December. Before we get into the, some of the detail of the proposals in the consultation, Hannah, perhaps you could set the scene for us with a bit of the background and context of these proposals. Yes, of course, Anita, and hi, everyone. So much of our commodities regulation in the UK today derives from G20 commitments that were implemented through MIFID II in a way that was harmonised across Europe. And post-Brexit, the UK undertook the Wholesale Markets Review, which concluded that the UK could achieve the same results better by making a few changes. Some of those changes were dependent on amendments to legislation, which were made in the Financial Services and Markets Act 2023. And that has really then enabled the FCA to develop the detailed changes that will need to be made through its rules. However, in the process of all of that, uh, I guess, legislative change happening, there's also been quite a lot of volatility in the commodities markets and the markets more generally. And that those experiences have highlighted that using derivatives to hedge physical commodity exposures can heighten liquidity risks, which can be transmitted through the wider financial system. And also that there's insufficient information about OTC positions that is making it difficult to assess some of those risks. And therefore, the consultation also proposes changes that are driven by these experiences as well. In addition to all of that, the FCA has drawn insight from best uh, practice um, internationally uh, and looking at some of the other regimes in, in, in other jurisdictions. And it's also taken account of discussions and feedback that's had with a range of external stakeholders and industry. So the proposals in this consultation paper are really reflecting all of those different considerations. Great, thanks, Hannah. So turning to some of the detail of the consultation then, one of the FCA's proposals relates to transferring the power to set position limits from the FCA to the trading venues. Georgia, perhaps you could explain why the FCA is proposing this change and how it will work and what rules the trading venues will have to comply with. Thank you, Anita, and hello, everyone. So, yes, that's correct. The, the, the principal power and responsibility for um, setting the position limits would now uh, be passed on to the trading venues, which is in line with uh, what FISMA 2023 basically introduced. So the FCA is of the view that because the venues are much closer to kind of the, the real action, they are better placed to set the position limits and uh, on an ongoing basis monitor and make sure that these are complied with. And that is what this new uh, regime basically seeks to um, to achieve. So there is there are a couple of caveats though to uh, the trading venues responsibilities and powers, which I'll just quickly run through. So number one, Yes, the power moves on, but the the way that the FCA regime is structured, there's a lot of detail in the FCA rules that venues have to comply with and have to stick to. So the FCA sets the broader kind of environment and framework, and within that, the venues would have to um, set the position limits using the criteria identified by the FCA. So there's already quite a lot of detail in the FCA rules. The second point we're flagging is there is, and, and maybe we'll come back to that. Um, a few minutes, um, there's, there's significant reporting and approval requirements um, by the FCA. So 
yes, the venues are going to have to come up with their own frameworks. They're going to have to uh, run their own assessments, but they will still uh, respond to the FCA and are going to have to get approval of some of these things by the FCA. And the third point to flag is, as as uh, introduced with uh, FISMA 2023, the FCA still maintains the power to intervene in certain circumstances. So there's this sort of capsule um, uh, power that the FCA uh, maintains. As with a lot of other things that we have seen in the rec space recently, there's a lot of focus on risk frameworks, um, sort of doing the groundwork, making sure that there's a true assessment of potential risks and exposures. There's uh, a focal point as well is governance. Um, so there's a lot of the trade events are going to have to think about. And it's, again, as we said, there's the, the FCA detail. And then on top of that is going to be the trading venue specific uh, requirements. Thanks, Georgia. And in terms of the scope of the position limits, the FCA is planning to re restrict the application of the limits to critical commodity derivative contracts and also to make some changes around the exemptions from position limits. Could you tell us a bit about that? Yes, of course. So um, perhaps just worth uh, to, to begin with flagging that the, the territorial scope remains the same. So position limits would continue to be relevant for participants that trade in, in relevant contracts irrespective of where they're based. So uh, UK or otherwise. So that's just worth putting out there. But now getting into the specifics of the scope in terms of the position limits, it's correct that the, the application of the, the, the position limits is going to now be in relation to what is called critical commodity derivatives contracts, which are identified by the FCA. So there's a list in the, in the CP of these contracts, and there's a lot of uh, colour provided by the FCA as to why certain contracts have been included in that list and why others have not. For the most part, this should reflect the scope currently applicable, um, although there are some differences around the edges. The FCA has also in the CP provided a list of the criteria that it has used now, but also will use on an ongoing basis, and the key principles it will use on an ongoing basis in order to maintain what it calls the, the, the critical contracts register. Also worth flagging that any changes to that register, the FCA is going to give 45 days notice to participants. There was a bit of a, a debate and participants had asked for a longer consultation period to any such changes, but the FCA uh, is now proposing 45 days of notice. There is a, an interesting point in the CP around critical versus related contracts. So as we say, critical contracts are going to be identified by the FCA. However, related contracts that would be for the trading venues to uh, identify and have a clear list on their website for, for participants to be aware of. The FCA requests that um, as a minimum, again, provides criteria, but as a minimum, uh, related contracts would have to include minis, balmers and mini balmers. I think we might come back to it later, but worth flagging the difference between position limits and accountability thresholds. Uh, so there's that kind of two-layer uh, checks that uh, participants are going to have to be aware of. Briefly, uh, running through the exemptions, just coming back to the second part of your question, Anita, we've got the hedging exemption, which is maintained. We've got a new exemption, which is called the pass-through hedging exemption. This is basically for structures where you have a financial entity that trades with a non-financial entity, 
uh, for hedging purposes that capture the non-financial, sorry, the, yes, the non-financial entity. And we also have the liquidity provider exemption. The SNC in, in the CP does talk about exemption, uh, applying an exemption ceiling. So the trading vendors would have to make sure that um, all these exemptions that are granted uh, are subject to a, a specific ceiling, subject to the risk assessments and so on. And there's also a, a series of notification requirements to the FCA in connection to these exemptions, both per exemption granted, but also on, a, on an annual basis. Um, yes. Great. Thanks very much, Georgia. Moving on to another area addressed in the consultation. Following some changes made by HM Treasury to the ancillary activities test, the FCA is proposing some new guidance around it. Hannah, could you explain what that guidance relates to? Yes, of course. So Treasury published legislation, which is due to take effect in 2025, which will remove the transitional ancillary activities exemption, which is currently in Article 72J of the Regulated Activities Order. And the references in that to the RTS 20, uh, which sets out the ancillary activity exemption test. And then um, also the requirement to notify the FCA annually if you are relying on the ancillary activity exemption. And all of this has been done to implement the wholesale markets review conclusions to simplify the regime and return to a more principles-based uh, regime in the UK which looks at whether derivatives activity is ancillary to a, a company or a group's main business by reference to a qualitative as opposed to a quantitative test. And this remains important in the UK because various exclusions in the UK regime refer to uh, MIFID business, like dealing, for example, um, being subject to the ancillary activity exemption. So in the consultation paper, the FCA is consulting on guidance, which sets out its understanding of ancillary as being something that is related to or subordinate to, or rather related and subordinate to the main business of the group. Um, the FCA seems to assume that using derivatives to hedge identifiable risks that arise from that, from that main business would be ancillary, but they don't rule out the possibility of other business that goes beyond risk management um, also being ancillary, and they set out a number of factors that companies may have regard to when making that determination. So at the request of industry, one of these factors is the trading and capital employed thresholds, which are used in the EU delegated regulation, which consider a firm's trading activity against the overall trading activity of the group, or the estimated capital that a group would be required to hold against the market risk inherent in their derivatives and emission allowance trading activity. So this test doesn't appear to be mandatory. Um, companies may also have regard to other factors such as profits, staff numbers, and the time they spend in relation to their investment services or activities. However, I think it will be interesting to see whether or how many companies prefer the comfort of the quantitative test that they are essentially being told they can still um, have regard to. That said, I think there'll probably also be some debate about whether being able to rely on this quantitative, uh, essentially EU trading test, um, as it's been amended to incorporate um, a certain kind of UK um, specificities, 
will necessarily mean that your trading activity is ancillary in all cases. So I think there there probably remains some discussion about how exactly this um, this test is going to work in practice. It's really helpful. Thanks, Hannah. And perhaps one final area to discuss today on the consultation paper is um, the reporting changes that are being proposed. So the FCA is proposing some new rules for trading venues around position management controls and also enhanced reporting requirements for firms in terms of their reporting to trading venues. Jonathan, could you tell us a bit about those changes? Yes, thanks, Anita. So sort of dealing with those in turn, um, as Georgia mentioned earlier, they are proposing so-called accountability thresholds, both for spot contracts and for the forward curve contracts that uh, venue trading venues will need to set. Effectively, this will apply to the critical contracts and in line with other areas, the details of this will be set by the trading venues. That's an important theme that runs through all of this, a sort of delegation of powers within the framework set by the FCA. Um, and it will effectively be designed, there's criteria listed, but it will be designed to look at the real risk analysis of you know, how large the positions are, you know, how much the market could be cornered, et cetera, et cetera, are all of the various risk factors that will go to the methodology that the venues will be setting to set accountability thresholds. Now, a couple of other quick things to note here. The first is, and it's important, this won't just be on the contracts traded on the markets. It will apply to referential OTC contracts and referential contracts traded on other trading venues. So that's important, which is distinguishable from the other aspects of the regime. So that's quite broad. The, the accountability thresholds are set for the critical contracts, so sort of same kind of concept, but much broader in context. And the whole purpose here is that the trading venues methodology then means that it has to analyse what the implications are when it's notified of this as to whether the historic positions are appropriate, what the impact on the market will be, whether it could be create market instability, and of course, whether there's been any kind of market abuse. So all of those things are set out. So there'll be both notification obligations on participants and then effectively obligations on the markets to review. So that's the first piece. That's the sort of notification and risk assessment framework for that. The second piece is position reporting. And on position reporting, the important point to note is it won't just apply to critical contracts, it will also apply in certain circumstances where there's so-called additional reporting for other contracts and various criteria set out again that will need to be set by the trading venues for where this will be triggered. The factors are not surprising, they are where there are large positions building up, where they could impact, et cetera, et cetera, um, but it, it would be for both critical and potentially for other contracts, although that remains to be seen. So that's the sort of framework. But I think that the, the thing, just to come back to the beginning of what I was saying, that needs to be noted is the criteria are set at a high level by the FCA. The detail will be set up by the trading venues, and it will be in their rules that participants will find the detailed requirements. Thanks, Jonathan. And now that the consultation has been published, what are the next steps? Well, the consultation closes on 16th of Feb next year and the FCA has basically said it's then going to come back with its presumably policy proposals and we don't know the exact timing but one would assume that would be within a reasonable period there's obviously quite a lot of uh, policy and political pressure to get this done 
So um, I think that's what we'll find. And this is really part of the implementation of the 23 Act with the sort of change in power balance between uh, the FCA and the trading venues. So all, all to watch for, it's going to be a busy year, I think. Great. Thank you, Jonathan. And thanks to Hannah and Georgia as well for sharing your thoughts on the FCA's proposals. We'll continue to track developments on our Regulation Tomorrow blog. And in the meantime, thanks everyone for listening. Goodbye. <laughs>